welcome back to another episode of the Whisker Fishing Podcast. I'm your host, Cody, and today I have my uh, one of my really good um, childhood to good friends now, um, Isaac Guerrero, honing, honing in from the big old state of Texas. What's uh, up, Isaac? How are we doing today, man? How are you? How's everything going? Good, good, good. Hunting's been very busy, busy yes. season right now. Yeah. Yep. Especially yeah, with that yeah. cold front. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's coming in. I'm sure that's uh rifling up the hunting. A lot of people are probably booking some trips out there, huh? Yeah. Duck season. Like uh, nice. we're, we're starting to hit the tail end of duck season, probably two weeks left. So that Very cold cool. front is kind of nice, but everyone's just trying to jam in right now. Nice. So um, I know you not so recent, but um, I'd say more recent than, uh, than not that you moved out to Texas um, mm-hmm. and you and your family bought a ranch and some land out there. Um, yeah, I just kind of want to go into kind of the fishing and uh, the private versus public land and what type of fish you guys go yeah. after and all that good stuff. If you could elaborate on uh, Jesus, if you can elaborate on that, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, a lot of private fishing in Texas more than public mm-hmm. uh, just because, Texas has made 95% of the land is private. So that's mainly the main reason why people fish private more than public. But there's guys out here that own hundreds and thousands of acres. So a lot of times they kind of like let people in if they know you and stuff like that. But it it makes it all the better too with private fishing, like a lot more control. You know, you Mm -hmm. don't get guys like taking fish and, you know, just misusing the fish or overfishing or anything like that but i'd say the main things that we fish for out here that like i've caught is like bluegill largemouth bass mm-hmm. channel catfish cat yep. i mean you you know about the channel catfish out here oh yeah dude it's one of my favorites one of my yeah. favorites um yeah if you can kind of uh elaborate on bass fishing i know it's pretty big out there in texas you know you yeah. see some of those uh, bigger organizations and YouTube channels, you know, catching those hogs a lot, a lot of the time being on those private, um, privately owned, you know, stocked Mm -hmm. ponds with those just ginormous fish just sitting in there. So if you want to kind of just go into detail on that and tell all the listeners uh, how that works and how that, how that's going. Um, And yeah, you know, yeah, well, I think the, the size of them is really the leading cause of people stocking their ponds too, just like maintaining their ponds. And mm-hmm. if there's algae overgrowth, like they add things to just kind of limit that and any weeds that may affect fishing, they'll take them out. So I think that's why fish are able to have larger lifespans out here and so able to reach like bigger sizes and stuff like that but yeah like i we just stocked our pond with i think like 200 fish and Very stuff like nice. that and so like a lot of bluegill a lot of that bluegill minnows probably got ate by some of the smaller bass and probably some of the smaller bass by the bigger bass nice but but yeah uh it's i don't think i've ever seen out of like how long i've been fishing and i don't even know how long i've been fishing for now i think like eight nine years mm-hmm. uh it, it's a different class of its own out here just big oh They're yeah just Oh yeah, you see those videos and, um, you know, you see all those videos of people just catching some absolute hogs out on those ponds Mm -hmm. out in Texas. Do you know, um, I know 
um, I think it's still Guggen. I don't know if they mm-hmm. changed their YouTube channel, but dude, they're always, I see some videos still popping up and them still out there and, uh, just catching some absolute hogs and you just see, you know, the size of the pond. It's not a huge pond, you know, maybe yeah. like, you know, a five, six acre pond, but like still like they're just ripping some hogs out of there. Mm-hmm. And, um, I know, I would, uh, what was that? I would say like, I think also like why like people catch bigger fish the bass are a lot more aggressive than i've seen them in other states mm-hmm. they're yeah. like super territorial out here. yeah i mean when you have you know those privately you know those private stocked ponds you know you don't have everybody and their mother fishing those ponds so those fish just become you know more aggressive and they're just they're just striking hard because yeah. they're, you know, they're not used to people fishing them. You know, you, you'll get probably maybe a handful of people to fish those, um, those ponds every single day. And, and, you know, they just are able to feed and just get so big. And, and I know that they just fight so hard because, you know, they're not used to being caught, you know, right. out here in Idaho, you know, everything is mostly public land. Um, so you're battling with other people for spots. And, you know, that's the, that's the challenging thing is, you know, me being a fisherman, you know, just finding those spots and finding those areas. And, you know, I've really done good with being able to find my spots away from people and doing good. Um, But yeah, we don't have as many opportunities for, you know, that, that private pond section of fishing, which is kind of cool to see in Texas. Yeah. I'd say like Idaho too, just like with public land, like fish get smart, you know? So like if they Mm -hmm. see the same plastic over and over, like, ah, like I've been through this already. Like I'm all right. They just yeah. they, they don't bite at it. Versus out here, like you can huckleberry fin and just put a a worm on a hook and throw exactly. a line out there, and you get smoked. Yeah, that's how I caught one of my bigger bass this this past summer, dude. I was I was catfishing on the Snake River. You know, just another ordinary day for me. Um, and I was just jigging a night crawler because I was like, all right, I'm not going to use the soft plastics. I've been only mm-hmm. catching you know the smaller ones. I was just like, I was kind of crappie fishing. Um, mm-hmm. kind of using them for a catfish bait, but I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'll see what, see what this night crawler is about, you know, go old school. I was doing weightless and I just dropped it by this bridge and it just small mouth just came and smoked it, dude. Like a four, probably may, maybe close to five. Some people were commenting five. I don't think it was mm-hmm. five, but, and oh my God, the fight on the fight on some of these bass are just insane, dude. He was taking me yeah. anywhere he wanted all across this section of river, dude. It was pretty insane. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, uh... I caught a bluegill, like a, a pretty decent sized bluegill. Like I didn't understand how big bluegill get until I got out here. Cause I'm so used to like catching small <laughs> little bluegill guys, but they get yeah huge out here. They oh yeah. Dude. They got some slabs out there. Yeah. And so like, I just threw a worm in there with like, like I didn't even like cast or anything. I just like set my line in the water and then <clears throat> smoke, Boom. put it on my bass hook, threw it out there. And then, like as soon as it hit the water, my pole just went whoom. And I was like, oh, it's just the blue goo I threw in. And next thing you yeah. know, like it just tugging. I'm like, oh, I got another fish and caught like yeah. a good like eight, nine pound bass. Yeah, dude. That's exciting. Um, yeah, dude. I mean, that's the kind of the the big difference out here is I wish that we could use um live fish bait for bait because it's mm-hmm. it's it's you know, first to none. I mean, it's it's probably the best bait you can use for multiple fish species but you know for catfish especially i mean they just love those live bluegill live crappie um i know people catch them on live smallmouth and there's not really a lot of leeway here and i think it's due because due to the the amount of public land there is 
Right. You know, a lot of people can just access. I know there's still people out there that do use live fish for bait in Idaho mm-hmm. and they just don't get caught. Um, I'm not one of those people just cause I'm not willing to, uh, go to court and have to pay a, yeah. a fat fine. But I understand the reasoning just because, you know, the, the, the public yeah, land is just anybody can access it. I mean, when you're yeah. on those public, those, those private, those private ponds in Texas, there's only a handful of people fishing those ponds with those live right. baits. So at the end of the day, it's not getting, you know, overly, um, baited with those live fish. Right. And I mean, at the end of the day, I do kind of disagree with the, the whole live bait because it, you know, these right. fish eat fish like this yeah. is what they eat they're not eating you know these these artificial baits you get from the store sure mm-hmm. they may work but the you know at the end of it like they are they're eating fish so but you know um <clears throat> that's a discussion for another day yeah uh, i want to get into the hunting side um in texas because i know that's kind of mm-hmm. one of your big things right now and um yeah. I know it's huge kind of with the, you know, the private versus uh, public land and how you guys kind of go about it. And if you want to elaborate and get into that, that would uh, yeah. be fantastic. Yeah. Um, again, same thing as the fishing part is just private. It's a lot more accessible than it is public just because mm-hmm. there's more of it, but um, it's, it's safer yeah. hunting on private. Um, Cause you're not getting these random guys. Like, you know, you can, you can have a guy sitting in a blind in a tree and then you can post up 10 feet away from them. Yeah. You know, in public yeah, yeah. land. And it, and there's a lot of guys out here that claim they've been hunting their whole lives, but they're not safe hunters. And mm-hmm. so it just, you know, you're, you're putting the risk of getting shot when you're in public land, but oh, yeah. on private land, like, especially if there's a hunting guide already on that private land, like they do a lot of the work. Like we'll scout the whole week. Like mm-hmm. we'll send them pictures. Like, like so, like what we're looking at is like, oh, like I wanna, I wanna buck that scores like one ninety two hundred. Like, okay, mm-hmm. like all right, sounds sounds good. And we'll we'll look and like, okay, we got we got a couple in mind, and we'll and so pretty much they just get here and they get to go straight to the blind and we just tell them like he's gonna be out here in these next couple hours and and from there they just kind of in and out kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of these guys that come out hunting they're really busy with like their jobs and mm-hmm. like mainly like CEOs and all that jazz. So like, they just only have the time to go in, shoot something, get out. Exactly. Like, they want to, you know, they want to get in and out. And um, yeah. that's a good part, you know, about having so much private land, you know, you just have these people that know their land, know what's out there. Mm-hmm. Hey, we got this animal for you. Come out, you know, this part in the morning, this part in the afternoon, come shoot it, you know? Um, yeah the kind of talking to some people in this state about hunting. I mean, you'll see them trekking for miles and miles and miles. And you know, that's part of hunting, obviously, right. you know, it's, it's part of the journey and I respect that a hundred percent. And, um, but it's just crazy what these guys have to endure sometimes just to be able to get a, you know, a good size muley, which is a big mm-hmm. mule deer we have out here. Um, is kind of one of the, one of the main animals that a lot of people hunt and it's just insane. The terrain that they have to go through and like, dude, there's people that would yeah. train like months yep. in advance for a hunt because they know that they're going to be going up and down in elevation, mm-hmm. um, which is just crazy. And, and with that public land, you know, that brings just so many people trying to hunt the same spot. I mean, I'll be fishing yeah. out on the snake river and I hear gunshots probably 20 yards away from me. Yeah. Fucking like just, um, you know, trying to run for the hills. I mean, I remember one time I was fishing and 
I heard this guy just ringing shots off and he was probably like 20 yards away from me to the right. And I literally put my body against this like gravel hill or this like dirt hill. And I just laid like this and I was just like listening for more shots. And I was just like, dude, that was literally right there. Like I almost packed it up and left. Um, thank God I saw the guy pulling out with his truck and leaving, but I don't know if he was just shooting for fun or if he was hunting because like I said, you know, there's just so much land you can, you can pretty much shoot anywhere as long as it's, um, uh, public land, uh, BLM mm-hmm. land. So it's, it's, it's a lot different out here. Um, yeah. And what's nice, know, uh, What's nice about private land too, especially since if you have good owners of that land that are maintaining it well, um, mm-hmm. they can nip any problems in the butt. So like if there's a sickness going around the deers that can affect other deers in the area, like, you know, you, you got to shoot it, get rid of it. Cause you know, you want to protect all the other animals. So that's, what's nice about having so much private land, especially with good mm-hmm. owners is um, wildlife management. Um, oh yeah you don't you don't get overpopulation <laughs> and and unfortunately a lot especially with public land you get a lot of guys that go out there and like i was saying before they don't when you when you go hunting hunting like in private land it takes a while you're probably gonna have to take oh, yeah. the whole weekend if not the whole week yeah. and so they're gonna see probably the first thing they see and that thing may not be ready to be shot it has good genetics and it's only maybe a one-year-old two-year-old you know it's yeah. like you know like it's it's not even a full buck yet and they'll just shoot it and um and that's like kind of unfortunate because uh, it's just gonna bring problems for the near future. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, you know, yeah. it's just you know, you you shoot one of those younger those younger deer, and and some people, you know, that's their way of life, and that's how they put meat on the table. So you know, if it's mm-hmm. if it's legal, you know, there's not much you can say other than, yeah, you pro- you could have probably let it grow for another year, and like, right. you know, that deer could have been twice the size, more healthy you know, just thriving a lot more in the environment rather than just taking it out like that. But, you know, some people are hunting for more than just the sport, um, which I do respect, but, um, it does is it's pretty tough, especially if that deer wasn't ready or that animal wasn't ready. And like you said, I mean, like they're going out for, you know, weeks at, you know, days or even weeks at a time just to get an animal. And I've heard guys having to like, if they, they're on a solo hunt, like for an elk, they have to go in, you know, they're dropping in, walking seven, eight miles, maybe even more, having to make multiple trips back and forth just to pack out the meat. And it's just like an entire like two or three day process of them just walking back to their truck or their camp yeah. or wherever they're set up and then walking back to the the animal, grabbing more stuff, packing it out and just this whole process going on for days on end. And it's just pretty, it's pretty insane here in these types yeah. of stories. And especially in Idaho, you have to, uh, one sec. in Idaho, you get a lot of people mule pack. So like these guys are from out of state or like they don't go hunting often, but they want to like, having to go to like a local and be like, Hey, like, can I use your mules and stuff like that? So like, you really got to prep because you don't want to kill an animal and then not be ready and yeah, not be ready to pack it out. Yeah. Like, cause you got to know how to debone it, um, mm-hmm. skin it. If you want to skin it, like you, you got to be able to have the knowledge to do all that just to make the kill worth it. And like effective. Cause like, I don't know, we definitely don't want hunters just shooting stuff just for the hell of yeah. it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. So, um, let's kind of get into, uh, your job right now, uh, working at an exotic ranch. If you want to kind of get into that and 
tell the people, you know, your whole process and how your uh, company works and all that good stuff. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Yeah. So <clears throat> I work at a ranch called 1024. Um, 1024. Yep. It's a Dr. Pepper uh, saying mo- like a, a marketing scheme from Dr. Pepper, the, the old the ex CEO of Dr. Pepper is the owner of the ranch. So mm-hmm. like that's why they adopted the whole Dr. Pepper thing. But yeah, 10 to 4, uh, it's a marketing thing that they used to say that people would crash at 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and 4 o'clock of the day. So they would say like, you know, to wake up, drink a Dr. Pepper. So that's where that came yeah. from. So the ranch is called 10 to 4 Ranch. It's on my hat nice. right there and, and there stuff like that. And yeah, it's a, it's a pres- technically a preserve. Uh, we own about 2,000 acres in the high fence and 10,000 outside. So around 12,000 acres total nice yeah and uh well i mean there's a lot to know about the ranch uh, yeah so uh like what yeah. type of uh animals are you guys having in the high fence and then also what are the animals coming through to that other ten thousand acres yeah so on as far as the other acres we have that we run cows on we get coyotes uh pigs and stuff like that we get some white tail that are around there but inside <coughs> the high fence, let me bring up the list of animals we have because yeah, dude, we we got a lot. All right, so yeah, we got white tail, and then we got like red stag and elk and stuff like that. But then when we get into our exotics, that's when we have like a large variety of yeah. things. Like uh, we start off with like axes, nilgai, red sheep, mouflon, waterbuck, gemsbok, bleasbuck, fallow, blackbuck, oryx, zebra, cyca, sable. Wildebeest, Lechway, and American Buffalo. Yeah, so you guys just got it all there. Um, I do hear that you guys also um, have some bison or some buffalo, Mm -hmm. um, as some states call it. Um, And you guys, I believe it, what was it, like maybe a month ago, you guys went out and got one, and then that whole process of skinning it and deboning it. Yeah, I think since then we've killed five buffaloes. Nice. Yeah. So how does that – kind of go down like what are you guys what are you guys using first to kill the animal and then how does the process of packing it out and bringing it back Mm -hmm. to you know the the shop to get it all deboned and um ready for sale or consumption Mm -hmm. or whatever you guys use it for yeah so first a lot of the a lot of the meat that we kill um can't be sold uh just because it's just through like the fda it's not yeah, approved yeah. to the FDA, so they're more than welcome to keep the meat, and they can do with it as they please after. But yeah, technically, it's not for sale. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll 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 track the buffaloes and like see what part of the ranch they're in for like that week, and we'll just keep track of them. Also, just for health, we always check on all our animals throughout the week, make sure everyone's oh, good yeah. and stuff like that. And then we'll get a if we get a guy that wants to shoot one, we're like yeah, no problem, and and we'll have them all loaded up at um six thirty in the morning. We'll go out. And we'll look, we'll scout him. And really depending on how good of a shooter he is, that's, and that's one of the parts of a hunting guide that we have to look at is um, is we'll, we'll shoot with them. And, and if he's a very competent shooter and is very capable of shooting long distance, then we'll mm-hmm. give him that. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. We, we, we know that you can safely kill this animal and not yeah. wound and it not, and make this you know, thing go through. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and if they're not, then, and they want to tell us like, oh, I want to shoot 
like a, a buffer from 800 yards like yeah you're not there man yeah you no still way. Need practice yeah and so 800 yards is a long shot yeah and so yeah we'll find them and then we'll we'll pick one out that we like and <laughs> we'll set them up and just tell them where to shoot like okay you're gonna shoot just behind that shoulder and uh, luckily a lot of the guys that we bring out there do exactly as we say and shoot it i think out of the five that we've shot three of them hit it right in the heart and nice. the other two like in the in the lungs chest so they're nice. all really good clean kills and from there um they're so heavy so we we have a yeah. tractor that goes out there yeah, yeah. and picks Gotta it up haul them up yeah and then we have a cleaning shed that has like a like a winch and everything and it pulls it up and we'll start skinning it and it takes about 45 minutes to an hour about yeah. skinning skinning yeah, that yeah. buffalo and then what we'll, do you guys do oh sorry what, that? Uh, no, uh, what that? do you guys do with the um the hide the, the hide yeah yeah uh, uh, it's, it's up to the guy like nice yeah it's up to the guy so we have a walk-in freezer um so we don't nice. do any of the taxidermy or tanning so yeah. we'll put in the freezer until someone or one of our taxidermists comes and picks it up <laughs> but yeah we'll skin it and, and it's before we skin it we talk to the customer like okay are you wanting a shoulder mount are you wanting a head mount are you wanting european mount are you wanting a rug so with that all that information we know how to skin it because yeah. uh if he's just like i want a european mount like i don't want like a taxidermy head i just want the skull with the the horns and that's it yeah. it's like okay so that means like once we get to the neck area we really don't have to we could be a little bit more careless with it and just kind of get get it moving quick and so yeah after we skin it we'll gut it and we'll put it in the freezer and then take it to a processor nice um that's pretty much the same process for uh, pretty much for all the animals animals. yeah Mm -hmm. um what do you guys normally uh shoot like what is the 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 gun gun? choice to take one of those animals down Mm -hmm. yeah so we use all of our guns are from a rifle company called mcquarter and we shoot a 7 stw okay that's uh one of our bigger guns that it's it's one of those one and done guns for sure yeah how big is the round you would say if you had to kind of measure it with your um you have a round or yeah, anything me, comparable to size that would be pretty yeah. cool let me see if i have one in the back real quick yeah Let's no see. worries nice okay so usually it does have like the top part of the bullet yep. maybe i don't know maybe a quarter inch right about the there. way but that's that's a 7 stw yeah that's a big round I'll see if i can find and put it up to the yeah yep. 7 stw right there nice i got up to the palm very it's cool that, but with the that's tip big, sticking out round. yeah yeah it, it does a good job it's usually a one and done deal Nice. Um, yeah, so it's seven SCW, and as far as like the whitetail and other animals that we shoot, we usually go with like a six XC or a six five Creamore. Nice, mm-hmm. uh, a lot, probably a lot smaller rounds than. Uh, yeah, a little or, tiny, tiny yep. bit, but they're they're fast bullets. Yeah, so they're they're very fast. <clears throat> nice. Um, awesome. if you had to pick your favorite animal on the ranch, um, whether it's to hunt or just kind of 
you know, admire and see what, what would that be? Cause I, you know, exotic ranches, man, they have, they have so many animals. I mean, you just lift listed off a bunch mm-hmm. and I was just kind of curious to see like what your favorite animal is yeah. to either hunt or just kind of see and just, you know, be in awe of, cause you know, you don't get to see that every day. Uh, I'd say the one, <clears throat> I guess I have like three categories, like mm-hmm. the ones that like, every time I see them, especially when I take people out on hunts or like uh, tours, this is a zebra. Not a lot of people yeah. see zebra besides zoo, yeah. so like that's always cool to see. But that's the one true. I think is the rarest to see at our ranch is a lechway. It's yeah. a type, type of antelope. And then, but the one I think I have the most appreciation for is our oryx, scimitar oryx. Uh, only because at a point um, not too long ago, they were starting to hit the um, extinction, like threatened to get extinct. And mm-hmm. so they, this uh, organization sent a mass email to all hunting ranch carrying oryx, like, hey, their population's super low. Like, let's see if we can try to recoup. And so now we have a really big, healthy herd. And now, so they're what not... type of animal is that? Uh, I believe it's another type of antelope. A lot of a lot of these oh. animals are types of antelopes, like uh, black bucks, uh, type of animal, blees bug, gensbuck, um, lechway. Yeah, they mm-hmm. they all fall under the ant- nail guy. Actually, is actually uh, an antelope as well. Uh, it's yeah. one of the bigger ones. It stands about six feet tall. Damn, it's a, it's a big guy. Yeah, they yeah, um, cool. they're popular in Texas. Nail guy. Very popular. Yeah, that's cool. So a bunch of you know a bunch of subspecies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they all fall under cool. that family. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. So, um, kind of uh, going into our last topic here, I just kind of wanted to get into our um, a little bit of our childhood fishing stories because mm-hmm. uh, me and Isaac are from the same hometown, um, Livermore, California. If any listeners out there know the area, um, but we did quite a bit of fishing when we were. Um, Younger, uh, mostly when we were in high school, but you know, we had a bunch of good stories and some, uh, some good days fishing. I do remember one day we went out to, um, the quarry ponds. There's this, uh, mm-hmm. spot. And I know a lot of people, if they're anybody going to be listening to this podcast at some point, um, are from Livermore, they know exactly, or anybody from that area, you know, Pleasanton, Dublin, any fishermen from there too, um, definitely know the quarry ponds. It's, um, it's a uh, set of ponds, um, and we're not going to go into detail on uh, kind of, you know, the the, the spot itself and um, that stuff just for some reasons that I don't really want to get into just because I don't know if it's, you know, going <laughs> to get flagged. We're not live here, so I'll cut this part out, but, I you know, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, get us in trouble because it's definitely not, you know, it, it, you know. You, you do some stuff when you're younger, but it's good fishing. So I remember one day we went out there and it was, um, I believe it was me, Isaac, my brother and Wyatt Calkins shout out Wyatt. Um, and we were fishing one of these ponds and it was kind of, it's kind of like, um, private section fishing. Cause you don't yeah. get a lot of people to fish out there. You right. get a handful of people. And like I said before, there's other groups of people that we do know that do fish out there. Um, <clears throat> and it is just nonstop action all day long. Mm-hmm. I remember we went out there one day and we must've caught my goodness, probably a few hundred bass in mm-hmm. like a span of four hours. I mean, it okay. was literally every cast you were catching something and we were using, soft plastics brush frog mm-hmm. uh brush hogs and um 
Sankos and all that good stuff. Yeah, um, it, was pretty, it was pretty simple fishing. Not a lot of, yeah. it was really just like, <clears throat> like I think like how we were talking about private fishing is just these fishes are not so used to plastic just being thrown out there. And so they're territorial. So when it hits, as soon yeah. as it hits that water, they're like, what is this thing? Yeah, and it exactly. probably helped. I think it was spawning season when it was mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, right? it was. It was. So we yeah. were catching a bunch of different sizes, mostly, you know, one to like three pounds. I think yeah. why I think you caught a really good, a decent one, kind it of a like, football looking. Yeah. Like two, uh, two bass, maybe. Something. Yeah. And then I think, I think Wyatt caught a decent one that day too, mm-hmm. but I remember that that spot just being so good. It was probably one of the best days I've ever had fishing, dude. It was just nonstop action. We must have had fifty or sixty a piece, like easy. And that's an exaggeration. I'm being dead serious. Like it's it was yeah. just insane. Like it was it was nonstop action. And you know, largemouth bass are fun to catch, dude. They're just it's it's a lot They're of fun just, catching yeah. those. Um, yeah. I do. Um, I do remember one other story. Um, we went out to, where was it? Kind of in the foothills in a, um, California, Jackson. I think it was oh, by yeah. Jackson, kind of old mining mm-hmm. towns up there. And uh, we had some um, some old buddies that uh, owned some property up there. And they had a series of ponds that were just kind of in the area that were um, open to the public. Um, and uh we we would we I think there's a like a set of three of them and the first two were smaller ponds and we didn't really catch much. I think we caught a handful of bass there and um yeah, not yeah, me yeah. though. Um but we get to this third pond and it's just like it's a pretty good size pond. Like it was like it was like the size of probably like shadow cliffs, you know, a reservoir uh kind of in our hometown. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit smaller or a little bit bigger. I don't know. I remember it being pretty big. Yeah. And um I remember just this fishing all day, you know, same thing, just, you know, soft plastics, very, very simple way of bass fishing. And I think everybody was getting on some. And then we go to this corner and um, I remember before we started fishing, there's this kid that was, so the property, there's a property line. So there's kind of a hill going down into this like little bit of like a cove marsh area. And there's this kid that came down from his property. And he's just like, have you guys seen Bubba? And we're yeah, like, was. I was trying what? to think of the, I was trying to think of the nickname. Again. <clears throat> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's like a nine pound bass that lives in this cove. <laughs> and, like, and we obviously like, I'm not going to lie. I didn't believe the kid. Like, I don't think anybody did. Like at that point yeah. we we're like, oh no, he's telling us it's a little, just, he's a fishing tale just, right now. It's just not <clears throat> common in California ponds to have that big of bass. I mean, like, yeah, no, mm I mean, you hear some lakes like uh, Clear Lake and uh, yeah, big, big which lakes. Has to have some big yeah. boys, but like not a pond at like that size. Yeah. Um, and I remember we were just fishing this cove, and <laughs> I don't know if you kind of want to take over here, but I remember you just hooking up into this fucking absolute giant, and yeah, like, <sighs> well, like I, I mean, I was getting bites all day, and one thing about that pond is like there's a lot of weeds, and so like we'd yeah. all get snagged. And I remember getting, I remember getting hit hard, and I was just like, like, oh, that's something. I started pulling. I was like, ah, oh, no, like, never mind. I just got snagged. Like, it probably bumped it, and I'm just caught on like some branch or weed. Yeah. And I just see my line in the water. Just, I was like, oh shit, I got a fucking fish. Yeah. And so I'm reeling in. I think he's putting out a fight. Like, you know, loosen my drag a little bit, let it swim a little bit, tire itself out. And but when I started reeling it in. I think I just got caught in the weeds. Either it was a really big fish, I just hadn't had like the right line for it, 
Or, I remember it jumping out of the water, dude. That was, yeah, that, and, and that kid was watching you reel it in. He's like, "That's him." That's free him. Style, dude. Free yeah, dude. Style. I think just out of the water, out the water, dude. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" That was the biggest fucking bass, uh, biggest freaking bass I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah. And I remember, I was like, "Grab the net, grab the net." Yeah, dude. When I'm like grabbing walking the net behind like, me, and then yeah. the line just snaps and hits me right in the face, and I'm like, "Oh fuck." Oh, yeah, frick. I was like, um, I remember when it snapped. I was like, dude, that must have hurt so fucking bad. That must have hurt so yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah, dude, that that hurt like a butt cheek on a stick, dude. I mean, it's yeah. just, just right think, in the face. It, I feel it like was, I have like like in California, I had like the worst luck with like hooking on a big fish and just not really him in. Because I just I do remember another story. We went to carp fishing. Yeah, carp fishing. We but what was fishing, that? Dude. Yeah, like by Pleasanton, um, Dublin. Yeah. So was, there's a canal out. that, yeah, dude, we, we, we woke up really early one morning and, uh, there's a canal right off of 580 and 680 kind of where it merges. And I love to fish for carp, dude. The, the fight on them are awesome. Mm-hmm. They fight so hard and, um, we were fishing this canal and, uh, it was pretty early in the morning. It had to be like maybe eight or nine. Yeah, uh, we were like, out there yeah. probably an hour or something. And the way that these fish bite is they literally just like your rod is just folds over and just it's yeah, like i lost a rod out there they're like uh they're bottom feeders right so like, yeah they're like bottom feeders it's like, like catfish it's just, <laughs> yeah dude it's just boom when they take your they take your stuff you're just you're just praying to god yeah. um, and i remember just i see he's asleep isaac's isaac's out dude and he's just like out in his chair and his and his rod just goes folds over I'm like isaac isaac and he wakes up and he grabs the he grabs the uh the the pole and sets the hook dude and it was a big carp it started heading straight for the rocks and i was just like oh my god dude get away but like at that point the canal was so yeah it's so like narrow like it from one side to another it's maybe like 10 yards so it's a very shallow canal and like it's a it's it's difficult to get these fish in at times and this time it was just like went straight for the rocks and he, and he didn't even have time to wake up at that point. I, he just like, I, I, I was like, Isaac. And he like, it was like reaction just jumps out of his chair and like sets the hook. And I'm like, and he's not even awake yet. And it just goes straight for the rocks. And I was just like, Oh man, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was like, Oh damn. <laughs> That's like the one story I remember. Like vividly, I was like, yeah, you gotta I do remember one fishing. time we were out there. And that's like the one picture where I just look like an absolute buffoon. And it's just my hair is a mess. And I'm just like, I mean, yeah. every picture I take with a fish, I, I look a little bit odd. Um, it's but, just the work. You put the work in and it's just. Yeah. Like you just like, yeah. And Isaac, <laughs> we didn't have a net. And I remember Isaac just jumps in this canal and like grabs the fish. And I was just like, in my jacket. I think I think yeah, I had my jacket. Yeah. I used my jacket. You use the jacket to like net it. And we bring it back on shore. I was like, dude, that was like the coolest thing anybody's done for me while, while we fished. Like yeah, he just yeah, jumps yeah. in, no hesitation. Well, I think fishing. I think you and Zach, I, I remember I tried getting into fishing. And, and I think like I encourage so much people to get into fishing, even though like it's embarrassing at first. Like, yeah, you don't know what you're doing, man. Like everyone has an embarrassing fishing story. It's funny. But yeah. I remember going to oh, yeah. Dal Val and I'm like, all right, fishing. And no one in my family fished. And I was like, not a lot mm-hmm. of people knew how to fish. So we go to Big Five. And I was like, all right, well, I, I think we need a big pole. So I, I think I bought like a shark fishing pole. Like a shark <laughs> rod. Big old a shark rod. Yeah. Because I'm like, in my head, I'm like, well, I don't want, I don't want to lose a fish. And so 
we go to Dal Valley and we just start casting from like the bank. And this guy comes over. He's like, "What are you guys fishing for?" <laughs> and I was like, "I don't know. I don't know." And then, and then the guy's like, "Well, like, maybe you should get something like this. Like, that's not too small. Like, that's too big. <laughs> that is way too big." And so I was like, "Oh man, that's embarrassing." But I think it wasn't until I started fishing with you guys when I got into it and kind of getting more knowledge of it. But I remember seeing that fish. I was so stoked. I was like, "Dude, we gotta get this in." Like this yeah, is dude, it was a big thing of my life. Was, yeah, it was. I mean, it had to be. Uh, I don't know, 12, 13 pound carp, maybe a little bit bigger, dude. It's a beautiful fish, dude. I was holding up. Yeah. I was just like, it had some great patterns on it, and like the fins on it looks really, really cool and like rugged and you know rigid at the top. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, it was it was it was a fun day of fishing. I think we ended up catching a few more that day too. So, yeah. um. But yeah, dude, we had a uh, we've had a lot of good times fishing over the years, especially yeah. when we we're uh, still all back in California. But um, yeah, we gotta do, um, we gotta do a fishing trip soon. Yeah, definitely. Um, Some ocean I fishing. Definitely, <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, I went crabbing um right. very recently, dude, and that was That's a lot cool. of fun. Um, big arm workout, dude. My oh, arms sure. have Forearms. never been. Dude, my triceps were cramping. I literally like would look at my arm after and it was like straight like I just got out of the gym. I swear it was it was wild. Um. <laughs> but I'm going back to Cali at some point in the summer and I'm gonna go shark fishing. So, yeah, dude. dude that's you're in sick. town, dude. Like, let me yeah. know. Like, we could definitely set it up. I got a few buddies that do it all the time and yeah, it's, it's all the big. spots and stuff. It's big in Texas, like in the Gulf. Yeah, yeah, the Gulf shark fishing. Oh yeah. Um yeah yeah um but yeah kind of just um wrapping things up here um yeah i appreciate you being on and telling us uh, all about you know the fishing and hunting and you know private versus public land and all the good stuff in texas and uh yeah man uh, i'll definitely have to have you on again um in the near future for another episode because i'm going to be doing this quite often Mm -hmm. um but yeah so everybody you know tune in so a lot of activity at the ranch. So there's always new stories every day. Exactly, dude. So I know there's going to be a lot of good opportunities for new content. Um, but uh, yeah, for anybody you know listening or not listening, but going to be listening, um, yeah, tune in uh, to the podcast. You know, I'm just kind of racking up the episodes right now. We're going to be posting uh, at least probably three by the end of the month or early February time. Um, and yeah, just stay tuned for that. Um, yeah and that that that's all i got for today yeah like i said like i said again um thanks uh for being on isaac and i appreciate you taking time out of your day um to get this get this going um so yeah all right everybody have a wonderful night day wherever you're at and uh we'll see you next time merch we're gonna talk about merch real quick by my man cody's merch whisker fishing man gonna come out soon we're gonna be we're we're getting that started uh very soon. Um I'm kind of getting the design and um you know kind of the color patterns that I want. We're gonna be doing shirts, beanies, hoodies, you name it. I'm gonna have it. Um it's gonna be a pretty very it's gonna be very <laughs> it's gonna be a very, very simple process. And um yeah, I'm gonna make it easy for you guys and I'm excited to kind of drop this on you. And um yeah, so uh Thanks for everybody, you know, that's going to be tuning in and um, I appreciate it.